Well, hello everybody. This is Steve Hutto, and I want to welcome you to my podcast. I do want to thank you for logging on and uh, checking out what's going on at the Steve Hutto podcast. That's me. My name is Steve Hutto, and uh, my wife Connie and myself, we're the founder of Harvest Celebration Ministries at www.harvestcell.com, and that's H-A-R-V-C-E-L.com. Uh, I also have the Missions Community, which is an Instagram platform uh, for those who take short-term missions trips and those who are stationed on the missions field uh, to submit their missions photos so that we can share them uh, among all of our followers. So check out uh, the Missions Community as well. You can just uh, search for it on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, the Missions Community. But I want to talk to you today about how to have revival. And that's kind of an unusual uh, title for a message, how to have revival. But, you know, there's so much teaching, and a lot of it's based on things that have already happened. But if we're not careful, we will get preconceived ideas and notions of, of how we think revival ought to happen. You know, one misconception is that God is sovereign, and of course God is sovereign, and that He's the ruler of everything, but He gives a lot of choices to us, and He gives us the principles of His kingdom outlined in His Word, that if we operate in those principles, then God will do what He says He will do uh, in His Word. He will do that in our lives. So we have this preconceived notion, uh, one of them is that, that God will, he will pour out His Spirit wherever and whenever He desires to do it. It's all up to Him. Well, that's not really true because He's already poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the Scripture prophesied it and confirmed it that uh, He poured out uh, His Spirit on all flesh, on all mankind. And of course, under the new covenant, we who are born again, we can receive by faith the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power, the enabling supernaturally by God to us to do God feats in His name on the earth today. God's an awesome God, and when we do what God did, we just glorify God, and everybody else sees that, wow, God is real, and He's also awesome. So, God is sovereign and that He is the ruler. I mean, He is the ruler of everything. He's the creator of everything. Actually, Jesus is the creator of everything. And God is sovereign, but as, but sovereignty doesn't mean that God's just up there and, and He's moving on personal whims and he when He decides to do something, well, it's affected us here on the earth or affecting us here on the earth. The truth is, uh, revival is something that starts with a decision. And um, another misconception is that um, even though we know revival can spread like wildfire, he uses people, of course, uh, to, to spark revivals. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But even though, as I said, revival can spread, we have this conception, this preconceived idea that we can just go, we can live like we want to, you know, with no sacrifice of prayer, and we can go to wherever the Spirit of God is moving and just get zapped by the Spirit of God. And so far, what I'm saying is true. We can, then we can bring it back and spread it where, where we are. Well, that does work sometimes. But sooner or later, or later God requires you and me 
to conform to the principles of his kingdom in order not only to have revival or start revival, but to maintain revival. I believe God wants us to live in revival. We look at revival as some sort of uh, mystic, great uh, wave of the arm of God whenever he so chooses that just changes the world forevermore. But God has put us on the earth. He said we are to subdue the earth, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. And we do that now in the kingdom of God by living by godly kingdom principles. And again, as I said earlier, they're outlined in the word of God. So one, com- one preconceived notion is that God is so sovereign that he just has revival. He causes revival whenever, however, and wherever he decides to when he's ready. And the second one I talked about is that uh, we can just go and catch revival. And it doesn't mean that God won't touch you in a revival. And it doesn't mean he won't change your life. But the revival I'm talking about is, is living and moving in the principles and with the presence of God 24-7 every year that you live, that you serve God on this earth. It's not that we have to live from peak to peak and just hang on and do the best we can do uh, between the crests of the waves of revival. God wants us to live in revival 24-7. He wants you to live in revival today. So listen to me carefully. This, this is how you have revival. Revival, number one, starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. First of all, in order to make that decision, you have to examine your life. That will require some prayer, of course. But most people know whether or not, I'm talking about Christians now, most believers know whether or not they need revival. If you're one who says, life is good, I'm comfortable, I'm not challenged. Things are going smoothly. I got a great church. I got great friends. Some of them are good and some of them are bad, but I'm supposed to love them all, and you are. But you're living in a life of comfort, so to speak, or your life is on cruise control, and you're not pressing anywhere. You're not putting yourselves in situation or yourself in situations to where you can be a, a vessel of the supernatural, miraculous power of God then whether you know it or not, you need revival. If you become dry in the Lord, if your heart becomes hardened to any degree in the Lord, you need revival. And as I said before, most of us, if we would just be honest, and we really wouldn't have to look too far at our lives, we would know that we need revival. Things that grieve the heart of God are not grieving our hearts like they should, because we're not in revival. And and really, technically speaking, revival is a renewal of of, of a person's born-again spirit from a state of dormancy. That's what revival is. And so when I say live in revival, what I really mean is live away and out of spiritual dormancy, but instead you live and you, you, you move and you work for God in spiritual fervency. I mean, you're always fired up for Jesus. It doesn't matter how many touches from God you desire or get. It's whether you decide or not you want to live there with God. So number one, it starts with a decision. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's where revival starts with. Now, number two, you cannot have revival 
without prayer. It's impossible for you to to have revival, personal revival, if I may put it that way, without prayer and some form of praise and worship and all that, you know, we could call it all prayer, we could call it all worship, but you cannot have revival, you cannot maintain revival, and it's not it's not a, a matter of maintaining the fervency, the degree of fervency in a, in a worship service. I'm talking about you, your heart. Thank God we're responsible for ourselves first, and then when we get on fire, other people will get on fire. Some people will be run away, but we have to understand that, and we have to expect that in some cases. You know, when the Spirit stirs you, He also stirs up others. Some are stirred to run to Jesus. Others are stirred to run away from Jesus. It's nothing personal. It's all about Jesus. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. If they love me and receive me, then they will love you and receive you. So it starts, number one, with a decision. And number two, you cannot have revival without prayer. Prayer. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. You've probably heard this before. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, Jesus was talking about having our basic needs met. Now listen, if it's important to pray and seek Him first and His kingdom principles first and apply them in order to have the very basic things met, how important is it then for us to pray beyond those things as we pray uh, for personal revival, for the revival of others, for as we pray for, also as we pray for our nation, for people who have needs, for our own needs. But he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Obviously, if you're not saved, that could mean, you know, going after Jesus to be saved, to be forgiven of your sins, to be born again by the Spirit of God. If you are a believer and saved and born again, it's going after Jesus day after day, and seeking first his kingdom, his principles, and you do that through his word, you do it through prayer, through praise and worship and encouragement from one another. But he says, if we seek first his kingdom, not second, third, fourth, or fifth, not tenth, twelfth, or twenty-fifth, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see, what what I have to deal with and what I see so much of in the body of Christ today uh, are believers who are not putting Jesus first. And I say this a lot, but you know, some may say, well, Steve, that's just, you're it's just over the top. You're going overboard with this thing. I mean, you know, a fanatic, you're, you're, you're just too much. You're driving people away. No, you're obeying God. You see, Jesus saved my soul. He saved my marriage. He saved my family. He called me into the ministry. He anointed me. He anointed my wife. He anointed my family. My family's serving him today. Jesus did so much. Had I not turned to Jesus in 1978 as I did and cried out to him, I wouldn't have Connie today. I wouldn't have two of our children today. And I certainly wouldn't have all the 14 grandkids that I have today. I am a blessed man because Jesus changed my life. There is, I cannot say too much about it. I cannot pray and thank Him too much about it. I can't let one day go by without thanking God several times for what He's done for me. And you know, I firmly believe that if He will do it for me, 
He will do it for you. And He probably has if you're listening to this message. You may know somebody uh, in which God need, or for which God needs to do that as well. But uh, you can't go overboard with Jesus. Jesus is my life. And you say, well, that's, that's fine. That's good for you, but maybe not for me. Well, then you're missing God's best for you if you're not hog wild, head over heels, over the top, off the chain in love with Jesus and serving Him today. Let me tell you, we live in this world. You know, I, this is what comes to mind, and I, I would really like to illustrate this in a message. Uh, everyone should know what fishing line is, you know. If you stretched it from one end or one side of a, of a huge church sanctuary to the other, uh, up about 10 feet up in front, you probably could hardly see it. And if you put a tiny little bead with a hole in it somewhere on that line, I mean just a minute bead that's just big enough for that line to slip through it and you could you know, move that bead somewhere in that line that's stretched out from wall to wall. And this is a, a terrible analogy, but it's about the best I can do. That little bead would represent your life. Now, the sun is 93 million miles away. What if you could stretch that line from a point on earth to a point on the sun point on the sun without you or it getting consumed by flames and put that little bead somewhere uh, between the earth and the sun on, on on you know on that fishing line that's 93 miles long 93 million miles long that little bead would represent your life compared to eternity you see and 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 in all actuality if you could take that fishing line and stretch it all the way infinitely out into space somewhere, constantly, never stopping, going, and place that bead somewhere between earth and infinity on that line, that little bead, that would be your life as opposed or compared with eternity. So my point is, your life on this earth is short. You don't have time. You cannot afford to say, that's over the top. You cannot afford to say, well, that may be for you, but not for me. Because when you leave this life, my friend, it is forever and ever. And what we decide in this life affects our eternity that lasts forever and ever. And my point is, while we're here, we need to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all the things, the basic needs will be added but I'll go further to say this. What we need in serving Jesus, great or small, will be added to us if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Now, I'm going to key on this today. That revival is a decision, and it starts with prayer. Now, we have this notion that if we pray hard enough, deep enough, and long enough that soon after a few years, God will move. And, and I'm not denying that that might be the truth or that it is not the truth. Obviously, we can't really pray enough. But what I'm saying is, the point you decide to start praying, let me back up one, the point you decide you're going to move in revival, you're going to have a personal revival, and then you make that decision to pray, then you have already begun revival. You know, God may move in some ways as a result of your prayer because God answers prayer. God, you know, prayers ascend before God as memorials. I mean, prayer works. 
But it starts, this is where we miss it, it starts with a decision. Man, I'm tired of the way things are going. I know I should be deeper into the things of God. I know He's called me to do this, but I keep putting it off. Or I know I should go in this direction, but it's just so much more easy. Uh, it's less less uh, abrasive to go this way. It's, it's the, the path of least resistance here. I know I need to go the other way, but what God is saying to you is it starts today with a decision. I'm going to be in revival. I'm going to have revival. Now, Let's t- let me say something else about prayer. But first, let me read this scripture from Colossians 4.2. Paul said this, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And he went on to say, he was literally writing this to, to the Colossians, he says, uh, Praying at the same time for us as well, that God would open up for us a door uh, for the Word so that we may speak forth the mysteries of Christ and so forth and so on. And Paul even said, this is why I'm actually in prison for, for serving God. But what he started off by saying in verse 1, or verse 2 actually, was devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. You see, if you want to be in revival, you have to devote yourself to prayer. You have to devote yourself. You, you know, a devote to me is, a, is, is a, maybe a shade deeper than commit yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. And, and that means that you commit to a devoted regimen of prayer daily, whether you feel like it or not. To devote yourselves to something, you know, is a decision. It's a serious decision, and, and, and it's taken seriously, and it's applied seriously. You, know, you don't devote yourself to anything unless you know what you're getting into, or at least you think you know what you're getting into, and you, you mean you're going to do it. Devote yourselves to prayer. Now, about two months ago, I went through this, and I came to the point that I am going to devote myself to prayer. Look, I'm a man of prayer. My wife will tell you that I, I love to pray. But I don't think I was devoted to prayer. Maybe I was committed to prayer, um, but I, now I'm devoted to prayer. It's, I don't start my day. I mean, you know, this time of the year, my day starts before the sun comes up because I want the first thing I want to do is get with my God and be with Him. But to devote yourselves to prayer, that's very serious. Let me give you an example of something. There are times when I get up <laughs> because it's early in the morning and maybe I was up late. I don't feel like praying. I simply don't feel like praying. My spirit may. Actually, my spirit does. Because there's sometimes when I go to bed at night, I, my spirit is anticipating getting up in the morning and being with Jesus. But sometimes when I actually get up and it, you know, I physically wake up, it's like, oh man. I mean, if, if we'd all be honest... You know, we're, I'm not talking about in the spirit. I'm talking about in the natural. I don't want to pray. I don't feel like praying. Now, some days I do. Some days I hop out of bed and I can't wait to get in there. But there's still those times where I get up and I don't feel like praying. But you know what? I do it anyway. You know why? I'm devoted to prayer. Now, let me ask you some questions. All right, so you get up, or maybe it's your whenever your time of day to pray is. And, and, and you just say, man, I don't feel like praying. Or you just think it. Or, or you just feel it. I don't feel like praying. Okay. Nobody's condemning you for not feeling like praying. But let me ask you this. 
Has God changed any by the way you feel? Is God still on His throne? Does God still move by prayer? Does it say anywhere in the Word that God's, uh, that your prayers are not effective when you don't feel like praying? Does it say that there are any times, period, that when you pray to God, they're not effective? The only time I can think of is when husbands are not respecting their wives. But, you know, obviously you have to pray earnestly. But just because you don't feel like praying doesn't mean you don't realize that I need to pray. So what do you do? You pray anyway. <laughs> you pray anyway. As a matter, matter of fact, I would venture to say that's when you cover the most ground in those times when you don't necessarily feel the presence of God. You don't necessarily feel the power of God. But you pray anyway because you know what God's Word says and you apply the Word of God. And then it's a matter of a short time and it gets shorter with me every time I do it that you break through and you feel the presence of God. Prayer is not about feeling God's presence. Prayer is about obeying God. Prayer is about taking what God said and speaking it into your life by the Word. Prayer is about speaking what God says over your family. One thing that I pray every single morning, is, and I put it in a personal term, is uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 8 or 9, I, I'll have to look it up, but anyway it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though He was rich, yet for your sake. And I say, Father, I know your grace. Even though you were rich, yet for Connie and me and my family, you became poor so that we, Connie and me, my family, through your poverty, which was Jesus bearing our sins on the cross, bearing our poverty, through your poverty, we may become rich. And that means wealthy increased with goods. Now, I don't pray to get stuff. I pray because I know that if I pray to God and I do what He says, God will move, will move heaven earth and the universe to see that I'm supplied with what I need to do what he says to do. So Paul is saying that devote yourselves to prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving. Be devoted. And back to the questions. Is God still on the throne? Does God still answer prayer when you don't feel like praying? Is God, is Jesus still Lord? Is the Holy Spirit on you and in you? And is He on the earth just when you don't feel like praying or just when you do feel like praying? He never changes. Remember this. Regardless of how you feel about praying, God never changes. Jesus never changes. Holy Spirit never changes. God's Word never changes. God's principles never change. And so when you seriously apply them, they work, even when you don't feel like it. Now, I don't know about you, but that revolutionized my prayer, and I've been walking with the Lord for quite a few years. And then there's another scripture over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. We've probably all heard this. I mean, I've been saved so long, I remember when we used to sing little scripture courses about this. But Paul says here, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And in verse 19 of 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Do not quench the Spirit. So we know that whether we feel like it or not, if we pray without ceasing, if we devote ourselves to prayer, we know that God will move and we will not quench the Spirit of God. 
It's powerful. So what I'm talking about today is how do we have revival? I can tell you this, it has revolutionized my walk with Jesus. And, and somebody, some people may say that have done this for years, well, what's new about that? Well, it might not be new to you. And again, like I said, I've walked with the Lord for a long time, and I've been serious with the Lord for a long time, but I'm never so serious that I can't get more serious. And so, uh, as I said a couple of months ago, I just said, you know what? There's so much going on in our country. There's so much going on in the world. And I'm a part of a church. The Holy Spirit began speaking to me. What are you doing about it? You know, we can talk about pray for our country or brother, I'll pray for you. Sister, I'll pray for you. But when we really do it, that's when things change. And so I've committed to praying for our nation. I mean, I'm telling you folks, uh, things will change if the church will arise. You see, what God is doing right now, we're we're seeing the result of distancing ourselves as a nation from God. We're seeing the results. It takes a while. It's slow. It's gradual. But now it's been so long that we can see such results from taking God out of schools and other things that we've done that just eliminate God from the life of our government. Um, and, and some churches even have changed the Word of God and the principles of God to, to more suit our personal uh, human needs rather than what He says to do. And, and it's caused many churches uh, to have doctrines and they're built upon doctrines that, that literally oppose the Word of God. And all of this is, is snowballing. It's getting stronger and stronger. And we can see how we are propagating sin and, and we're allowing the enemy to come in and do things that he couldn't do 25 years ago. And so we can turn this thing around, or actually God can, but we have to pray. You know, Paul told Timothy, I want the men in every place to lift hold, to pray and lift up holy hands. He said we are to pray in another place for those that are in authority. And we need to pray against uh, the spirit of terrorism. And one of my prayers is that God would uh, unveil plots and plans of terrorism and death and destruction and, and that Satan would use to steal, kill, and destroy by simply unveiling those things before they come to fruition to those people who specialize in looking for those things to try to neutralize them before they happen. And uh, just like the recent school shooting in Florida, uh, we need to pray. I mean, as a matter of fact, most of those plans were revealed. But we need to pray that those who are in authority and those who are responsible to eliminate and neutralize those situations will see them and act accordingly. This is prayer, my friend. This, th- these are the things that prayer causes to work in our lives. Now, how to have revival. It starts, number one, with a decision. And that decision is to pray. So it's really not number two. Prayer is the decision. You can be in revival today if you decide today to have revival. If you decide today that you're going to pray without ceasing, that you devote yourself to an attitude of prayer, and that you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, or if you put God first in your life, then you will begin to experience Revival. Let me need to, again, revival is simply a spiritual awakening. It's the awakening or reawakening of a spirit, a born-again spirit that has gone dormant. That's all it is. That's what revival is. And, you know, to say 
you live in revival is what it really means is that you don't need revival, that your spirit is alive and vibrant and fervent and serving God. That's what, that's what revival is, and that's what staying in revival is. But listen, please understand the seriousness of the times that we're in. We could passively say, oh, God said they're going to get worse. But right now, God has given us a reprieval in the snowball of evil by giving us leaders that are at least creating situations and circumstances that the church can remain uh, active and continue to, uh, to spread the gospel, not only here in America, but also in other nations of the world. And we need to pray while we have this time. Jesus said, walk in the light while it's day. Or walk while it's day, because when the night comes, you can't see and you're going to stumble and fall. Much can be accomplished in just the the few years ahead if God's church would decide to have revival. Don't, Don't wait on some church in another state to have an outpouring because they got it, you see. Now, let me say this, and I'll close with this. You can have personal revival, but here's the thing. God still is the one that gives us the ability to look at ourselves and say, man, I need revival. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer to look at the world and say, the church needs to rise up and have revival, or, you know, people need to get saved. You know, people are uh, going into schools and murdering people. So, I mean, there's things going on all around the world. But with our own personal lives... I believe what's happening now, even to you who are listening, is that the Spirit of God is bringing you to a point to where you can examine yourself and you say, yeah, man, I need revival. I need to go deeper. You see? And and, and it's not based only on, on what you look at yourself, of course, or how you look at yourself and what you see, but it's also based on what's going on around you as well. And we're at that point. But it's still your decision. It's still your decision whether or not you want to have revival or not. And listen to this. This is what I'll close with. If two people decide the same thing and get together and start praying, or three people decide to to do the same thing and start praying, first of all, know that you're, you're taking care of your personal walk with God. But the more people that feel this way, the more people that feel like it doesn't matter how I feel, God's still, Jesus is still on the throne and God is still God. So he's still going to honor his principles whether I feel like it or not. If enough people feel that way, that's when it starts spreading. And that's when God starts doing things. God, ne- things. God never said that if you pray two and a half years, then I'll have revival. If you, if you gather and pray two and a half years, then I'll have revival. But God has honored that because enough people saw the need for revival, starting with themselves, and prayed. But you see, what we need to do is is look at ourselves, look at where we are, and make that determination, that decision to devote ourselves to prayer because we've made the decision to, to have revival.